Welcome to Two Marks in a Mic podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to talk about WrestleMania 8. I think it's our favorite pay-per-view. My favorite mania, yeah, I think. It's, I would, it's definitely up there. I don't have a specific reason as to why it's Same. my favorite. Because some of the matches on that are pretty crappy. Yeah, the main, the, the ones that you always like point out, and the main ones which we'll get into, I think can't definitely carry that event for sure. Absolutely. I think the Taker-Jake match, Macho Man-Ric Flair championship yeah. match. Piper Brett. Piper Brett and... Hogan Sid. Hogan Sid, which that match was... Yeah. Atrocious. One thing that really boggles my mind about it is the match placement. If you look at it, you have some of the matches, like the championship match is like third or fourth, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's it's mid-card. This is the early 90s, and things were weird back then. And, and to piggyback off your match placement comment, I thought it was crazy that they had Undertaker Jake as the second match because they had a, such a great build-up into that, too, but we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it now while we're here. Taker was turning face at that point, so they had this build-up with a funeral parlor segment with Jake and him asking what side he was on. We've covered that before. It was a good angle and a good story, and I think it culminated at WrestleMania 8 because I think shortly after that, that's when Jake left to go get neck surgery. And I think it was after a Saturday night's main event to set up that funeral parlor was when that Jake was going to stand behind the curtain to hit Savage or Elizabeth with a chair, and then Undertaker stopped the chair. And it flowed. Yeah, it did. It flowed well. The match in of itself was, this is when Taker was doing his dead man persona. Yeah, it was where he didn't show any pain, any, any emotion in the ring at all. And Jake, you know, Jake's always a, a really good psychologist in the ring. Yeah, I agree. And that was also back in the day when the DDT actually meant something and it wasn't used normally now in a regular match for... You know, a quick pop. for giggles. And I, they really played well on that by giving the whole three DDT angles. And nobody gets up for three DDTs. And then Undertaker pops up. You know, it's just crazy pop in the Hoosier Dome for him. Right. And that crowd was gigantic, too. I love I mean, it. I, that was that was a very hyped, hyped crowd. And I think also there was one spot in that match where Jake took a solid bump where Undertaker, like, chokeslammed him, like, on the outside ring apron. Yeah. So it was, I, I thought they were pretty stiff. I thought it worked well. Yeah, I think most of the time back then, a lot of the guys were stiff. I think they wanted it to look good, and they wanted it to look legit. Right. You know, because back then, it was still kayfabe intact. The match wasn't very long. It was just like... Yeah, six minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't like... Definitely was nowhere near Broadway, for sure. Mm -mm. But, you know, psychology-wise, it helped the Taker get uh, a better face push. And also, up until that point, Undertaker was just heel, just steamrolling everybody with four moves or less. Not much of a move set. So, I think... As he was in there longer, and they kind of started putting them together, and I mean, yeah, his move set I think was very limited. So yeah, I mean, it was because I mean he just did the choke, choke slam, the walk on the ropes. Line. I know we're going back and forth, but I know there really wasn't much talking about the opening uh, match with Shawn Michaels and Tito. Um, I know that we said that was his first Mania appearance as a heel. I believe so, yes. And I mean, he had some heat going into that because he had Sherry, and she was a really good heater. I'm sure. Yeah, they had the whole misogynistic thing going on with that. But um, it turned out, I mean, it was a good match. He had two athletic guys. I mean, Tito has always been a consummate professional, and you got Sean in there. This is before his Mr. WrestleMania moniker. Right. That didn't really kick in until WrestleMania 10. Back then, he was still a mid-carder. And I hate to say that, but it's what he was. He was still vying for the IC title and 
Whereas, you mean Tito or no, Sean? Sean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd almost like to see that match and that Michaels heel push maybe a little earlier in mm-hmm. Tito's career. I know he was kind of fizzing out with the El Matador face before mm-hmm. he kind of just retired and, and went off TV. But I still good because he was still I was able to keep up. But it would be the younger Tito Santana, man. He oh, was yeah. just all over the place. And that's, I think it was it was good for an opening match. Yeah, it was. You know what Tito Santana's doing now, don't you? What's that? He's actually a school teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't know where where at but i know he's a school teacher so that match was good it, yet again and it wasn't very long it was like 10 like 10 15 minutes tops i think not mm. even that, right i wonder if since the tv time was so limited back then that they had to get more on and giving them shortened matches that's a possibility to, you yeah. know because it's just i i just feel like looking back at it i feel like you know piper and, and brett went a lot longer than 13 minutes i think what you have to think about in that instance is there's not a lot of these spots yeah. Right. So it feels like it's longer because they're doing rest holds and arm drags. Sure. And then they're doing classic wrestling versus all this flippy stuff that we just saw at the Royal Rumble this last weekend. But yeah, with that whole Piper and uh, Brett, another, I mean, the storylines were, they did something that they rarely did back then that have two faces really go at it, you know, in a mania. I know it was done obviously with Hogan Warrior two years before that. You know, and, and, and you just, you liked both guys and generally, you know, and Piper even said when we covered Piper, said you know brett needed a push yeah yeah because i think it was SummerSlam of that year is where him and perfect had their match Mm -hmm. and it was that was a classic match we touched on that in the perfect episode yeah i I think that the time constraint was like you said not a whole lot of tv time so let's get get these guys a payday maybe i I mean it's just for a mania too you know they want i don't even know how long this one lasts i think it was like three hours that's about the extent of most people's attention spans anyways sure i wouldn't uh like the rumble last weekend being four hours long was just too much no, I, I don't. I didn't. There wasn't anything that happened. It was all predictable, but we'll get into that later. So after that, we and speaking of Bret Hart, we go into the Piper Bret Hart Intercontinental Title match yet again. Two faces going at it. Great match. You got to see Piper actually wrestle versus his brawling. Yeah, and you know, and, and Bret got some color, which I think we, we touched on that in the Piper episode. But so the next was an eight man tag. It was the boss, the big boss man, Virgil, Sergeant Slaughter, Jim Duggan, versus the Nasty Boys. Uh, Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags, the Repo Man and the Mountie with Jimmy Hart. Now, this is in the time when they were still doing gimmicks like occupational gimmicks. Mm-hmm. So you had the Big Boss Man who was a prison guard. You had the Repo Man, which is self-explanatory. And then you had the Nasty Boys, which were just like New York Jersey thugs. And then you had the Mountie, who was a Canadian cop. I, I, guess, he, I guess at that point you could still call Virgil a former bodyguard. You know? Yeah, bodyguard. Or, I think his gimmick was he was a boxer. Yeah. It was just your typical kayfabe, hokey, eight-man tag. The good guys won. You know, it wasn't anything stellar. They had Ray, they had Ray Combs make fun of the, the which was heel fam- team. Yeah, he was uh, Ray Combs at the time, he was the host of a show called Family Feud. Mm-hmm. He was hilarious. Yeah. The way that he was given the heels the business and ribbon him and stuff the match in itself was only like six minutes so i think that match was kind of one of those matches where they used to kind of just simmer the crowd down a little bit coming off of, of the brett piper match and even maybe the undertaker match before that makes sense yeah and you know you kind of lower the heat to get the simmer you know what i mean sure and then after that we had the championship match which the build up to that was awesome it started how the whole wrestlemania 8 started you know you had the press conference and that's where they, you know, who's going to be the next, you know, for the WWE champion or WF against Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And they originally announced Hogan. Um, and then that turned off to him and Sid. But then it ended up coming around working with Macho and Flair, but then working in this Elizabeth angle with it. So, like, it just, 
Ah, man, it just made sense. It was just, uh, oh. Yeah, it was fantastic. Because I think they had, um, I think there was an adultery angle there. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was personal. You know, the psychology on that match was great. Everything, then, the aggressiveness. Yeah. It was a typical great wrestling match with two guys that could really go in the ring. And the psychology was, you know, Flair worked a limb and Savage's knee to soften him up with a figure four. And eventually Savage won with a handful of tights. Yeah, I know, like, during that match, uh, I, I love the way the, the, the storytelling in the match where at about the halfway point when he finally, where he hits the elbow and then, you know, he thinks he's going to, you know, get the three count right there with the elbow and then perfect pulls him out. And then, I mean, it was just, I don't know, yeah, the psychology was awesome in that. Like, when, when Elizabeth came out, did you notice some of the people that were trying to hold her back? Yeah, yeah. One like was Shane, Shane McMahon. Earl Hebner, I uh, think, was one of them. Uh, and... uh, probably Dave Hebner, his twin brother. Yeah. A very young Shane McMahon, which was, you know, you didn't know who he was at the time. So that match lasted 18 minutes and four seconds. And I'm not sure if that was, you know, the longest match on the card. I think it, yeah, it was from what I can gather. But after that, we have Tatanka versus Rick Martell. Yeah. I, I have a couple no summer time. matches before Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess if you put a dumpster fire in front of something, it's going to look good. Yeah. You know, so those, I guess the last two matches before, or actually the last three matches were very odd placed. And I know I said that a lot about this pay-per-view, but I liked Tatanka when he came out. You know, he is a true Lumbee Indian, if I'm not mistaken. He had a pretty good run in WWE. He can't, you know, he's been, he was there for a number of years. The next match was a WWF Tag Team Championship between the Money Inc. and the Natural Disasters. These two huge guys in Earthquake and Typhoon. It was uh, not a great match. It was slow. And I think that Money Inc. just eventually said, you know what, we're deucing out and left yeah, with the titles. With a count out. That might have been the start of the face era of natural disasters. I'm not quite sure, but I want to say maybe that a falling out with Jimmy Hart, and I think maybe that's why they pushed that match. Right. I don't know. I think it was. And then you had another weird part about the entire pay-per-view is after the first match, after the Sean and Tito Santana match, you had Legion of Doom come out and cut a five or ten minute promo. Yeah. That just isn't done anymore. And it just it was really weird and it kind to me it really messed up the flow. I think of this pay-per-view fondly because it was part of my childhood sure but you go back and watch it as an adult and you're like this is hokey I, as crap i still liked it you know i i still yeah i still loved it and i forgot too that that was the first time they started introducing luger you know as far as like his little vignettes oh yeah that's know? right they had that slash promo interview with him while he was at home in atlanta yep. and, and then after that match we had owen hart versus skinner i don't know what that match was about was there even a build-up for that match no i just think it was probably one all first matches it, oh it was a minute and 30 seconds it was a minute like and 36 seconds but it's just like a, something to put in front of hogan and sid justice or vicious or whatever his name was that week so to wrap this one up we're going to talk about hulk hogan versus sid justice now sid justice being psycho sid sid vicious you know whatever the match in and of itself was probably completely forgettable it's your typical hogan clothesline punch there was no ending. Nobody went over. There was a run-in by the Ultimate Warrior. It's like Papa Shango came down, right? Yeah, first Papa Shango a... came in first, and then... Which, where does Papa Shango fall into any of this? It's yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but that goes to, it just goes to tell you how long the Godfather was in WWE. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, with 17 different gimmicks. You got any closing thoughts on the whole shindig? I just feel like that this WrestleMania, hindsight 2020, looking at it now, is I feel like that they... 
they didn't want to squash Flair, and they want to keep him champion going into Mania, but they also want to build up Hogan Sid, and still, I don't know, it just seemed kind of all over the place to kind of make that, you know, the main event. I mean, obviously, you're going to want to see Sid and Hogan go at it at some point. You knew that was coming with the whole, you know. Him yanking Sid out of the, out of the ring. With the rumble, rumble and yeah. all that, you know. So, you know, they were headed for, there was a collision course there for sure, but it just, I think it was poorly executed because they were having, uh, they were having contract negotiations with Hogan and he was about ready to jump ship and go to uh, WCW as weird and as hokey as the pay-per-view was I think it was the second pay-per-view I ever watched so I think that's why it holds a special place for me somewhere we're gonna change gears a little bit we watched the 2022 Royal Rumble I thought the first match was good crap ending with Roman yeah. Reigns getting disqualified uh, and that was the only good match of the night. The same with you. I mean, I, I've watched a, a little more. I usually catch the manias and then if I just happen to be around and there's a pay-per-view but I can't tell you what happens on Raws and Smackdowns and any of that. It's just, it's it's terrible every time I try to watch it. Right. Uh, it's just not. It feels like no matter if I start watching it every week or if I watch a pay-per-view every six months or whatever but it's always Roman Reigns being pushed still with a title and if he loses it, it's a, or it's Brock Lesnar coming back and leaving with a title as well. And it's just seen, and it's always just before WrestleMania, you know. So right. it's I don't know. Well, it, when it gets when it becomes a regurgitated storyline over and over again, because yeah, I think I mean the talent pool is pretty slim. Uh, the women's Rumble was actually I thought more exciting than the men's. Yeah, because they at least had some surprises. They had Mickey James and a few others, like Molly Holly. Yeah, Molly Holly was cool to see the fake superhero gimmick whatever her name was that was molly holly no there was another one too oh yeah 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 yeah. that dumb chick um oh and then melina yeah i had melina came in she looked great yeah by the way and then the guys rumble was yeah very forgettable very forgettable and then of course another brock lesnar push comes out at number 30 yeah come on (laughs) and it's like oh well guess who's gonna win this now but you know brock was like i'll do it but I'm coming out 30. I'm working the least amount of time. Yeah, because... I already did a match. I would rather watch paint dry than watch him or Bobby Lashley wrestle again. Yeah, I agree. Wrestling sucks now. You got a point. <laughs> so... That's going to wrap this episode up. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We are also on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So we'll catch you next week.